The Lord be with you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Christ is risen indeed, and so we gather in thought and in word and in deed here at Marsh Chapel on this fourth Sunday of Easter. We gather present here in the congregation of Marsh Chapel. We gather on the radio at WBUR 90.9 FM throughout New England. We gather over the internet at wbur.org, streaming live, or later on the podcast at bu.edu slash chapel. My name is Brother Larry Whitney. I have the privilege of serving as University Chaplain for Community Life here at Marsh Chapel. I bear greetings on behalf of our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, as he is away this week and looks forward to being back with us next Sunday. A couple of particular greetings this morning. First, for our preacher, our very own university chaplain for international students, Jessica Chica. We welcome her to the pulpit this Sunday. And a very special word of welcome to our Inner Strength Gospel Choir singing the anthems this morning under their direction of Herbert S. Jones. They are celebrating 45 years of ministry and music here at Boston University this year. More on that in the community life section later this morning. As we are able, let us stand in the praise of God.
Let us pray. O God, whose Son Jesus is the Good Shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. As we gather Sunday by Sunday, we join in thought and in word and in deed and bring our thoughts, words, and deeds before God. We confess that which is broken. We hold before God our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, and where we have fallen short from them. We ask for God's forgiveness and that God will walk forward with us in grace and forgiveness in the coming week. Let us make confession before God and one another as the choir sings our Kyrie. Dear friends, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the first epistle of John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 24. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's life abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, We have boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit that he has given us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
invite you to join me in reading responsively verses from Psalm 23 as the choir sings the antiphon. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I invite you to rise as you're able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of our gospel.
Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. Glory to you, O Lord. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Good morning. How wonderful it is that spring has finally decided to slowly show its face in Boston again. While some of us are still waiting for that perfect spring day of 65 degrees and sunshine, we cannot help but notice that in the course of the last week, the grass has become a bit greener and the trees seem to have finally awoken from their winter slumber, putting forth buds and flowers. As I left my office yesterday afternoon, groups of students on blankets and playing frisbee dotted the BU beach here behind the chapel a sure sign that spring must be on its way. This year's winter felt especially long, but the promise of warmer days and returning greenery has boosted my mood, and maybe yours as well. It's amazing how deeply we feel our connection to the world around us, most of the time unconsciously. You may remember an especially rainy or cold day from the last few weeks when you found it difficult to get out of the warmth of your bed in the morning. Or how upon viewing a sunset with an especially vibrant hues of pink, purple, and blue, you stood amazed for a moment at the grandeur of the sky before you. Or maybe even sitting beside a lake or a pond, finding calm as you heard the shallow waves lap on the shoreline. Deep within ourselves, we find a rootedness with nature that can affect how we view the world, ourselves, and others. Indeed, we are in relationship with our environment. A few weeks ago, on one of those unseasonably cold Monday afternoons, a friend asked me to come to her spiritual companioning class to talk with her students about nature and environmentalism as a spiritual practice. Prepared with a copy of Nature as Spiritual Practice by Stephen Chase, I invited the students to take part in an exercise entitled Imprinted by Nature. The activity encouraged them to reflect upon the location they grew up in, the natural surroundings, smells, and sounds, and how they engaged with nature in that location. And then they were asked to think about how it compares to the area they live in now. After some time for reflection, most of the students recalled a great fondness for the area they grew up in. They described aspects of the natural world that calmed them, that had special memories attached to them, or that highlighted relationships with other people, such as grandparents or childhood friends. In contrast, when they thought of their their current location, they often found it difficult to feel that same sense of connection to the world around them. The activity's intent was to enable the students to realize the way that we all have been shaped by the world around us. 
The truth is, the environments we grow up in create a sort of imprint on us when we are young that tacitly resides within each one of us. But it can be stirred up again at any moment by just taking a few moments to sit and think about it or encountering a similar moment in our everyday lives. As a spiritual practice, the reflection on our ties with nature also connects us with the divine. Theologians throughout the history of Christianity have commented on the ways in which nature facilitates our relationship with God. John Wesley encouraged Christians to experience the immensity and magnificence, the power and wisdom of Earth's creator by reading nature as a text, a, quote, mighty volume. Martin Luther's emphasis on the nature of God being both transcendent and imminent present through, in, through, and under all things, provides us with glimpses of the divine through our interaction with the world around us. Even Jonathan Edwards, the great Puritan theologian, declared that nature is God's greatest evangelist. We may also reflect on the words of the psalmist, who in Psalm 23 depicts our encounter with God as a shepherd who watches over us in green pastures with calm waters. Our full humanity can be expressed in connecting ourselves to the world around us and understanding that we, too, are a part of the divine creation of the earth. Our connections with nature and the divine also lead us to think about the ways we are in relationship with others in our communities. People, after all, all, are a part of our environment. We interact with each other in the context of our environments, Our environments impact how we are able to acquire food, where we can live, and even our mental health. We live in and associate ourselves with communities that determine what values we share and uphold, which can subsequently shape our attitude toward the environment. When there is a disconnect in any of these relationships, we can lose sight of the divine presence in the world, and injustice can become prevalent. Today, we celebrate Earth Day. This national observance began 48 years ago in 1970. Grassroots activists, including numerous college students, were concerned with the ways the environment's quality was being degraded. In response, they hosted teach-ins, protests, and other demonstrations to get their message across, the kind of activism which has become more familiar to us over the past year. The result was a general push in society to pay more attention to the ways in which human action harms the planet. The feeling and meaning of Earth Day has continued to grow as the environmental challenges we face have changed over time. Thankfully, churches have increased their involvement in the day, becoming value-laden locations of exploring the ways humans need to see themselves as part of creation rather than separate from it. Over the past week, Marsh Chapel hosted a variety of events to encourage student the student body, and the surrounding community to think about the ways in which we relate to the earth. How human beings have harmed the earth, how to adapt and try to heal some of the harm committed, and also to see the effects that the harm has had on members of our human community. In this week of varied, it was a week of varied emotions. On Tuesday, I stood on March Plaza with tiny terracotta pots, paints, and tiny succulent plants, for students to decorate their own succulent to take it home, an event we were calling Planting in the Spirit. I was pleasantly surprised by the reactions of students upon finding that they could take home their own tiny succulent for free. You're kidding me! They're so cute! This is seriously bringing me so much joy right now. I may have removed some of the more creative uh, responses the original speakers used. These grand positive reactions, all from a tiny plant that they could use to green up their dorm or apartment. It gave them a sense of connection to the rest of creation just by having another living organism to care for and appreciate. In contrast, last Sunday afternoon, we heard the concerns of students and community members alike as to whether Boston has entered into the emergency stage of global climate change at our conversation, Are We Climate Ready? 
It was a fruitful exchange, but a sobering reminder that there is still a great amount of work we must do in order to ensure a sustainable future for our planet. Throughout all of the week's events, we strove to foster conversations and, and develop actions for folks to think about the ways that they have become disconnected from the world around them and how they can remedy that disconnection. But perhaps in light of the theme of Christian love found in today's lectionary readings, the most meaningful of the events was a panel discussion on Thursday night. The panel was entitled, Is It Bougie to be Green? The Gentrification of the Eco-Movement. We co-hosted it with Thecology, the environmental student group at the School of Theology. For those of you unfamiliar with the slang term bougie, it ultimately derives from the French word uh, bourgeoisie, which comes from uh, which became famous in the works of Karl Marx for identifying the upper class. Today, the term bougie is commonly used to mean aspiring to be a higher class than one is. The idea behind this panel was to bring together people of faith from different backgrounds to discuss how socioeconomic factors can hinder involvement in environmentalism and to challenge the depiction of environmentalism as a white, middle-class issue or concern. Our panelists were all leaders within their faith communities who believed that environmental justice issues should be foundational and intersectional with other justice issues prevalent in our communities, economic justice, racial justice, gender equality, and others. The panelists spoke passionately about how their experiences within the local church and their communities had informed their understanding of environmental justice issues and how to handle them from a faith perspective. They cited that the mainstreaming or trend-setting aspects of environmentalism often make it difficult for some people, especially low-income people, to have access to environmental practices due to the influence of commodification. They pointed out how particular aspects of environmentalism require you to have a certain amount of expendable income in order to participate in buying organic foods, having access to green spaces where you live, or investing in sustainable energy. And most importantly, how low-income communities often feel the greatest impacts of environmental degradation, but have little means to act against it and are frequently forgotten by mainstream activism. What became clear in this panel discussion was that environmentalism should not be co-opted by greenwashed idealism that neglects to recognize the many layers of injustice which exists due to the nature of our economic systems. While remembering our connection to the natural world absolutely has value in helping to shape our appreciation for it and can help us encounter the divine, our love and care for the earth and everything in it cannot stop there. We have to be aware of the ways that climate change and other environmental issues are impacting communities and how those communities are finding creative ways to respond to it with, within themselves. The reality is the effects of climate change are already making cl climate refugees, people who are being displaced from their homes because of rising sea levels, extreme weather, and lack of access to potable water. And these people are dis disproportionately impoverished, living along coastlines, steep inclines, and floodplains. Or they reside on island nations who are not so slowly losing their home country as encroaching sea levels make it impossible for people to stay. Pacific Islanders, Alaskans, and others have already begun to feel these effects and have had to relocate. The impacts are not somewhere out there in the future, but here already, today. As UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon stated at a meeting about climate change in Indonesia, the issue of equity is crucial. Climate affects us all, but does not affect us all equally. As Christians, we must stand to express Christ's love fully into the world. In 1 John, we are reminded that our task in the world is to emulate the love that Christ showed through laying down his life for us. The epistle echoes the sentiment of what the Good Shepherd does in John chapter 10. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He is not forced into, into self-sacrifice, but instead of his own volition, chooses to give up his life in order to protect his flock. 
His sacrifice is not for power or glory or payment, but for the good of the flock whom he knows and loves. A shepherd, as leader of a flock, does not just care about himself or herself, but must be invested in the lives of all the members of his or her flock. We, as Christians, as followers of Christ, are the sheep in this metaphor, but as sheep we learn from the shepherd how to be in the world. The writer of 1 John explicates the description of the role of the Christian further. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. The Christian cannot simply pay lip service to love but instead must be willing to act out the words that he or she professes in order to fully enact God's love in the world. God's command to love one another is to love to the point of enabling the flourish of the other, even if it means making sacrifices for the self. We must first recognize the power that we hold, which privileges us within society, And then, instead of using that power over others, surrendering that power for the sake of others. We may be sheep, but we are sheep who are bathed in the love of God and expected to convey that love into the world. In her recent book, Love in a Time of Climate Change, United Methodist elder, author, and activist Sharon Delgado reminds Christians that it is not only a sense of ethical responsibility that should drive us to take care of God's creation, but also because we can see the value expressed within it. She states, A strong sense of the value of creation provides a foundation for actions to preserve, defend, and renew the natural world. Creation has value for us because we love it and because, though we experience, because through it we experience the divine. We protect and defend creation not because we should, but because we care. This sense of caring includes the human family and extends to all parts of creation. We need to let our love of creation, grounded in those deep-rooted connections we have with our environment, guide us into respect for the earth that leads us to love and care. Delgado is right in pointing pointing out that we must include both our human and our earth family in all senses of our caring. By enabling God's love to flow through us, we can see hope in the face of daunting challenges. In light of the environmental challenges we now face, we must utilize our knowledge of God's love to enact justice in the world. If we are fortunate to have the privilege of comfortable existence and can, go, and can take on some of the more mainstream attitudes of environmental action, such as recycling, composting, or decreasing our carbon footprints, then we must also bring attention to the ways that communities of color and economically disadvantaged communities face the brunt of environmental injustices. We must find ways to be connected to these communities, to know our human neighbors as well as our environmental neighbors, in order to help in the most effective ways possible. We must speak truth to power when it comes to corporate practices that focus on making the maximum amount of profit at the expense of the livelihood of the most vulnerable within our society. As we are led by the Good Shepherd who loves and comforts us, so too we must turn to the rest of our flock and find ways to express that love and care in the world around us. As our antiphon stated today, the Good Shepherd comes that we may have life and we may have it abundantly. Let us ensure that we all have life abundantly. Amen.
now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. As we pray for the state of Christ's church and the world, I will set the intention, Lord, in your mercy, and your response will be, hear our prayer. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Creator of the world, Draw us into prayer and celebration as we gather to remember the gifts of your earth and the stewardship you have entrusted to us as tillers and tenders in your image. By your Spirit, help us to trust in your creative and healing presence and to discern those habits and actions that contribute unfailingly to the true well-being of all creatures. Keep us faithful to this gathering in faith and bless this vine your right hand has planted. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours, and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles, and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We commend to your mercy all who have died. That your will for them may be fulfilled and we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
morning. Good morning. We're delighted to be together with you in worship this morning, no matter who you are, where you're coming from, or how you are joining with us. Please know that your presence here means something to us, and we are so glad that you are here. As uh, Jess mentioned in the sermon, spring is finally here, and the chapel is uh, likewise bustling with new activity. Here are just a few of the things that are going on uh, in the coming weeks. First of all, a happy Earth Day to you. Uh, we've had a busy week of events, as you've heard, and capped off with uh, Chaplain Jess Chica's sermon this morning. Um, we hope you just take a moment today to be outside and to meditate upon the glory of God's creation, especially since it's warm and sunny out here in Boston. Thursday, May 3rd, so coming up very soon, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., is our Global Stress Relief Day. Um, there will be henna, massage, restorative yoga, a Zumba class. It's all downstairs in the chapel, and you can be there all day or drop in whenever you like. If you need a little bit of stress relief as you come upon finals or come upon the end of your semester, we'd invite you to join us. And last, I'd like to end with a few announcements of ways you can be supporting uh, music at Marsh Chapel in the coming week. First off, the Marsh Chapel Choir Concert is this coming Saturday at 8 p.m. right here in the nave. We hope you can join us there. Also, um, I have two handouts, and you do as well, in your bulletin from the Inner Strength Gospel Choir. Their spring concert is this coming Friday at 7.30 p.m. right here in the chapel. It's called Through God We Grow. I hope you can join us for that. And then this coming Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., so you can do this and still go to the Marsh Chapel Choir concert in the evening, there'll be a 45th anniversary symposium um, on the revolution of the College Gospel Choir. This is celebrating uh, 45 years of Inner Strength Gospel Choir's ministry on the Boston University campus, and the symposium will feature Boston University's own uh, the Reverend Dr. Teddy Hickman Maynard. And last but not least, I just wanted to take a moment and offer a warm word of gratitude to the Inner Strength Gospel Choir under the direction of Herb Jones um, on, on this momentous occasion of 45 years of ministry and leadership among us. So I just would invite you to give a word of gratitude. upcoming events and announcements, do keep an eye to the bulletin or to bu.edu slash chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. And now as the ushers come forward to wait upon us for our tithes and offerings, let us remember that it is both a joy and a discipline to be a giver.
Gracious, loving, holy, we give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone, a trust, O God, from thee. Bless and multiply these gifts, O God, that the giving may become receiving, and the receiving may become giving, to further your work of love and justice in the world. Amen. Now, little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs> 